good morning once again. Current local time live from the downtown KOPN studios is 9 a.m. on the nose. And welcome to Community Pulse, your locally produced program on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. As a reminder of our production schedule, you can catch Community Pulse live Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Immediately thereafter, the programs, along with all of our programs, are uploaded to our website, kopn.org. We also post to our Facebook profile, along with germane links from the day's discussion later on in the day. And you can even find the entire catalog of Community Pulse on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if you so desire. So, uh, greetings, as I as was uh, conveyed earlier, on a very cold and frigid day. Uh, it seems like the, the long winter of our, our discontent, humanity's long winter of discontent, continues. But we are, of course, nearing the end of uh, certain aspects of this pandemic, and we have two wonderful guests, or a host and a wonderful guest, to speak with us about it today. Along with a range of other issues, we'll be talking about masking. You heard Madam Goodman say, uh, wear two masks if possible. We'll talk about that a little bit, but we have oh so much to get to with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, a local family physician, host of Your Health Matters, and Sarah Davis, who has joined us on the program before. She is a local midwife with a master's in public health, and she is involved in some very progressive uh, testing uh, public policy programs as well. So first and foremost, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. And Dr. Alleman, good morning to you as well. Are you there? I am. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for that really helpful um, uh, introduction. Um, We are absolutely on a fairly steep downturn um, in most of the measures uh, that we can look at about this pandemic. And I think it's really up to us and what what we all do collectively and individually about whether this is the last downturn of this pandemic or whether we're going to do another uh, hump. So, and we are still at really high, I mean, uh, I'm trying to just use matter of fact things. The numbers are not giving me a lot of comfort right now, except that they are changing in the right direction. So when the numbers were getting this high in the fall, it was a source of great concern and consternation. And I want to make sure that I continue to keep my heart and mind open to the suffering and the, the concerns and the actual, frankly, danger to so many people of having the infection rate still be at the level that it's at. So um, many of the people I'm talking to, um, it seems like um, we are either all or um, I, we're all in agreement or I'm trying to get them into agreement that this is no time to back off or to slack off, and actually with the new variants circulating that are more contagious, we are going to have to do more things and do them better to keep our in transmission uh, uh, amounts lower. So probably what the truth is is that with these new variants, it doesn't take as many viral particles getting into your nose or mouth for you to actually develop an infection. So it's not just one virus that gets you there um, to an infection. It, you re- it requires a, a collection. Um, you know, it's like, it takes a little party uh, to, for them to get their um, uh, foothold. The other thing that is, you know, not only do we have, so we have numbers down, we have around the country and in most states and localities, including in Missouri and in Boone County, 
We have uh, uh, hospitalization rates, ventilation rates down. We have positivity rates coming down. That is the percentage of testing that we do that's positive is coming down. The sewer shed surveillance data is also coming down, although the last I can see from them is from the 31st of January. So they're um, about two weeks. Uh, the, the, their data is now two weeks ago, from two weeks ago. But in addition, we are um, really ramping up our vaccine game. So um, we have uh, vaccinated uh, world, uh, countrywide about 12% of our population. And in Missouri, we're about 10%. We were lagging last, uh, but we, um, we are either doing better or some other states are doing worse. So we are now more like 10th from the bottom. And, you know, Missouri has pulled off some uh, mass vaccination events and has streamlined the system a little bit. So um, right now, if you want to register for a vaccine, if you want to sign up and get in line, you know, an electronic virtual line, you can... Um, do several things. One is you can't, there's now one place for Boone County residents to sign up, both the health department, MU, and I think Boone Hospital have conjoined their list. So there's just one place and they're working together to um, uh, uh, organize who's next in line. And then the state has a, a single place where you can sign up. And I think that that is not actually getting in line, so I don't think that you get um, a place in line, but what you get is a indication of which uh, which group you're in and an agreement that they will notify you when your group is now um, we're re we're now ready to vaccinate your group. So it can kind of be sad for people who find themselves in uh, uh, the third group, the general public group, because that may be the the late spring or early summer or maybe late summer before they get a vaccine. Um, but uh, it can be helpful to other people who may be in a priority group um, about how they're, you know, when, when they need to be paying attention because we can get kind of tired of paying attention to something that's not going to happen for us for a very long time. So, or however long, for, for a time past when we are, have the energy to keep waiting. So those are all positive things, and I'm really excited, but... Um, the CDC has come out with some new um, guidelines about mask wearing, uh, and I wanted Sarah to help us um, review some of that, those guidelines and the data. So welcome, Sarah. And let's start out with, um, let's start and end with what the recommendations are, and then in the meantime, in, the, in between, we'll talk about the, the studies uh, from which these recommendations come. So would, sure. you like, would you be willing to just start out with what we've been recommending and what we're now recommending? Mm -hmm. So we have been recommending masks for a long time, and this recommendation um, from that perspective doesn't, doesn't change. We are still recommending masks, but we're recommending more masks. So the and, takeaway and from masks. the study, that's exactly. So the takeaway from the study the very first thing to know is that any mask is always better than no mask. Right. A single mask does a reasonably good job protecting other people from your large particles, like infectious particles, but unless it's well-fitted, it will let aerosols that can still be full of infectious particles out the sides and the top. Two masks together, like a single-layer mask or other kind of cloth mask over the top of a surgical mask, can protect the wearer and other people both well, 
and so can surgical masks that are carefully fitted, like with tucking or a mask fitter that fits over the top, and we'll cover what that looks like. Right. And and the point is that what we'd like is, uh, I've been looking through, like, how is my mask game? So um, the, the determinations I find is that I'm modifying my mask until I'm clearly breathing through the fabric rather than around it. So if your glasses exactly. are fogging up, um, when my glasses fog up, I know I don't have my mask fit right. And if I also can feel it coming out by my ears or under my chin, I know that's not, again, any mask is better than no mask. But um, but that's not the you know that's not as good as what we want. So we're trying to figure out ways to fit the mask a little bit more tightly um, to the face so that the actual air is going through the mask. And then we're trying to exactly. increase the number of layers so that mm-hmm. uh, fewer so that what the air that does get out has very little of these small aerosol particles. We know we cannot filter so finely that no virus can fit through. So we know the holes in the mask are too, are bigger than a virus, but the virus doesn't seem to be able to be infectious or to travel very much all by itself. It needs to right. be, it needs to hitch a ride on a little bit of, of moisture in a, either a, a, a particle like you would, uh, a, a large particle, like if somebody coughed on a table, you'd be able to see it, or a smaller one where it wouldn't actually hit the table. It's going to float in the air, but it's still more like a mist. Exactly. And one of the first things I, well, and to go back a little, I've been asked about this study several times this week by people who were getting tested for Uh COVID-19 and they had some really good questions. It's bringing up a lot of um, good thinking and people, well, why would we ask people to wear two masks? But the very first thing that I was asked about this recommendation was why would we change it now? And you alluded to that a little bit when you were talking about variants. But the thing to know is that right now with mutations, the more cases you have, the more chances you have for the virus that causes COVID-19 to mutate. And every time that it mutates, it's a chance for the vaccines that we have right now to be less effective against that new virus. And we've seen that happen a little bit already with um, one of the variants, the one from South Africa. We also know that what we've been calling the U.K. variant uh, seems to spread more easily than other variants, and that's what you were talking about where we think that maybe fewer particles are needed for you to get infected or maybe that people also just make a lot more infectious particles when they have that variant. So anything that we can do to reduce the number of cases while we vaccinate people as fast as possible makes it more likely that our current vaccines will help us to get out of the pandemic as soon as possible. Right. The other thing is I've heard this before when people are, sometimes people are objecting to continuing to get polio vaccines, say, supposedly in the United States. And like, why would I do that now since polio transmission is is so uncommon in the United States? It's because we are really close to maybe getting polio eradicated in the globe, and we often, it makes sense in this sort of backwards way that we would really up our game for this last home stretch so that it doesn't somehow sneak out in another way. Um, right. So, so we are, 
I don't know that we're actually in the home stretch, but we may be coming close to the home stretch. We're definitely in lap three or four, and <laughs> it makes sense to not slow down because we are still in the race. And the right. other thing is that we now know more. We are continuing to do science to understand better, and when we know better, we do better. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, let's so, talk about, Do you have anything else you want to say before we just get right into these um, couple of studies? Nope, let's get into them. Okay, which one do you want to talk about first, Sarah? I want to talk about the CDC's report on double masking. Okay. And they just published it on February 10th in the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, which is the CDC's weekly journal about current public health issues, and you can always look at it online. The very first thing to think about is how do masks work? They work in two different ways. First, they keep all the air that's coming out of you, your exhalations, and everything that comes with it, like your germs, your infectious particles. Um, so first, they can keep your exhalations with you, and they can also block other people's air with all of their germs and particles from getting to you. So in the past, our mask recommendations were mostly based on the fact that we knew that masks could prevent um, could prevent other people from being exposed to the wearer's air. Right. So if you're wearing the mask, what you're doing is you're keeping your air, which might be infectious, away from other people. But what we're finding out and what we're seeing demonstrated in this particular study is that well-fitted masks or wearing two masks at the same time can also do a pretty good job protecting the wearer. And right. that's a little bit new. Really yes. important. So you're not just protecting other people, you're also protecting yourself. And the point of this study was to try to figure out which style of mask wearing does the best job protecting the wearer and also protecting other people. Another question that I was asked this week, and this is a very good question, if so many people are wearing masks right now, then why are people still getting COVID? Like, do masks really work? Right. And there's a couple couple things to know about that. First, no method of prevention is foolproof by itself unless you never encounter other humans ever. Right. And many people who wear masks in some settings where they're required, like work or school or store, don't wear them in other settings, like maybe a social setting with friends or family members. And that can be where transmission happens. So just because somebody wears a mask some of the time does not mean that they are wearing it all of the time. Right. And masks have to be worn correctly to work well. And that means that they have to cover the wearer's entire mouth and nose, and they need to fit snugly against the sides of the face and over the bridge of your nose. Just like you were talking earlier where air can leak out the sides and the top, like it fogs your glasses or you feel it on your ears. Those are all signs that your mask is not um, preventing air from escaping in those places. And not all masks are created equal. And lots of things that people wear work that way. Like all of our cold weather clothes. Oh, my goodness. This is a really good time to notice that. <laughs> um, when it is really cold out, any gloves are better than no gloves. But uh, some gloves are really thin, like the little cheap knit gloves that I get for everybody to have one pair in their coat pockets. And right. if you go out and play in the snow wearing those little cheap thin gloves, your hands are going to get cold really fast and wet. Um, whereas the better fitted and much thicker and layered gloves 
that we keep. Um, those do a much better job keeping your hands warm. Yeah, I love that analogy, Sarah, of the you know cold weather clothing because also we become very aware of where our clothing has gaps when it when the weather right. is cold. We notice, right. oh, um, that this this jacket I can pull over the top of my really warm mittens, and that right. jacket I can't, and then I get a little wrist coldness. Right. Exactly. So another thought is that. Um, you know, related to why if people wear masks, um, why are people still getting COVID? Masks that are a single layer of fabric and that don't fit tightly over the nose and sides of the face or they slip down over the wearer's nose don't do a good job of keeping the wearer's air with them, and they don't block out other people's particles. So procedural masks, and this is, this is what they're calling them in the study, uh, they're sometimes also called medical masks or surgical masks can do this better, but only if they're well-fitted to the wearer's face. And in this study, a procedural or a surgical mask is defined by the CDC as a mask that has been FDA-approved for performing medical procedures, and that would be something like dental work or surgery. Uh, You've probably seen them anytime that you were um, at the doctor or the dentist. You've seen any video of a surgery being performed or even even on a TV show, something like that. Um, they are often pleated and they're often blue. Right. If you are out and about going into a store, you'll probably see a big bulk box of them at the front um, for shoppers who didn't bring their own mask. Mm-hmm. They're single-use disposable masks, and they do a really good job at keeping large particles with the wear. Um, they're called source control um, and that's because you don't want people, say, in an operating room drooling over an operation. <laughs> um, right. You don't want your dentist, you know, sneezing in your face when they're working on your teeth. They are not tightly fitted, and they do let air in and out on the sides and around the top and the bottom, depending on how well they're fitted to the wearer's face. And the FDA doesn't expect these masks to keep those tiny aerosolized particles in or out. So they're helpful, but again, they're more of the source control. They're keeping your germs with you as opposed to preventing other people's germs from getting to you and they don't prevent air from escaping which can have those aerosolized particles right so then if one mask like we've been talking about doesn't necessarily prevent transmission why would two and it's just like with the glove because one mask is not as much of a barrier as two and because the second mask can help the first one fit better And I do this when I run in the wintertime. I wear two pairs of gloves. I have an interior pair that's thin, but it's not very warm. And I have an outer pair that's bigger and warmer. And my hands stay really warm when I have both pairs of gloves on. But either pair on its own is not as warm. Mm -hmm. This study tried several different mask combinations on two lifelike models of human heads. They had a source and a receiver head. And they were in a chamber that was the size of a small room, like 10 by 10 and with a 7-foot tall ceiling. They used single-layer cotton masks by themselves, procedural masks by themselves, a uh, procedural mask that was covered by a cotton mask, and a procedural mask that was covered with a mask fitter, which looks kind of like a complicated rubber band thing and fits over your ears, and it holds the mask to your face, especially along the sides. Right, and these are these things are worn on the outside of the mask. So if exactly. you were talking to someone who had a mask fitter on, you would see the mask fitter 
right. um, it would be on the it would be on the layer farther away from the person, and the point is yep. it sort of does a circumference around the mouth and the nose, and yep. then is affixed either pulled back either by a ear strap or a strap behind the head, so that it sort of pulls the mask against the face. There are other devices that are designed actually to hold the mask away from the face so that mm-hmm. for some people that's way more comfortable. And I'm going to guess that there's soon we're going to get something where people can wear both. But I, I think that yeah. that would be, yeah. It, it, and that's we're, very reasonable. We're all having to figure these things out. Right. The, those, um, those devices that you're talking about that hold the mask away from the face can actually be really helpful in keeping a mask well-fitted because they allow a person to speak more easily right. that a lot of times when people talk, their mask moves around and those devices you're talking about that go on the inside allow you to talk without moving your mask around so much. So once you get the mask fitted properly on you, it'll stay even right. if you're talking. Yes. So this study measured particles emitted from the source head model during a simulated cough and then emitted and received over a period of regular breathing and they did this uh, with no masks, and they did it with the four different kinds of mask combos on both the source and the receiver. And what they found was that a surgical mask covered by a cloth mask or a nylon gaiter-type covering and a surgical mask held in place with a mask fitter or carefully tucked in, and that means tied around the ears or back of the head with the sides tucked in, both did a really good job keeping the wearer's particles with them. Um, they blocked about 80% of particles from getting out. For comparison, the single-layer cotton mask and the unfitted surgical mask by themselves both block around 50% of particles from escaping. So there's a definite change in what's getting out from you toward other people when you either wear two masks or you wear a better-fitted procedural mask. So the really important thing, though, that they noticed was when the source was wearing two masks or a mask fitter with a, with a procedural mask and the receiver was also doing that, that exposure, so the particles emitted and the particles received, was reduced by about 95%. So that is very effective. That is a very big change. Um, and, again, that's when both the head that was you know, letting out the particles and the head that was receiving them were wearing two masks or the better-fitted procedural mask. And we would, it sounds like, yeah, so these are um, helpful pieces of information and um, for people who are interested in figuring out how, how do I get a mask fitter, um, I have not done research yet about whether they are for sale in Columbia. So if anybody knows that they are or knows how to get them, do you know, Sarah? Do you know how you get a mask fitter in Columbia? I do not know how you get it from a store in Columbia. I do know they're available online, and you can see pictures of them, and you can also see pictures of how to use them. Uh, The CDC article, which I think is going to be on the KOPN Facebook page if it's not already, um, has a link to look at that, and then there are links to look at even more links once you go to that first link. Yes, and the University of Wisconsin has a has some really interesting videos about how you can make a mask fitter out of um, probably not things that you necessarily have at home but could be <laughs> easily acquired if you uh, couldn't find a mask fitter. And there are also downloadable 
um, files if you have access to a 3D printer where you can 3D print one yep. or several or many. Yes. Yep. And I'll just say really quickly how you would do this. Like how do you actually wear two masks or a procedural or surgical mask with a fitter? So to wear two masks in the way that this study tested and now is recommending, you put on a surgical mask or a procedural mask first and you fit it to your face by pinching the bendable metal strip over your nose so that the air is not going up and fogging your glasses. Right. Then you put a cloth mask over the top. And if this hurts your ears, you can either use a mask that ties behind your head or you can use barrettes to take the pressure off your ears or you can use an elastic band that goes through the ear loops so it pulls it tight but not using your ears. Right. Or you can put on a procedural mask and then you can put a gator-style covering over the top, which you can pull up to cover the surgical mask. You could use a surgical mask and to make it better fitting on its own, you can tie a knot in the ear ties or the ear loop right by the side of the mask, put it on, and then tuck in the side so that there's no side gap around your cheeks um, where the air can go out by your ears. And to wear a surgical mask with a mask fitter, you put the surgical mask on first and then the fitter, whatever kind of fitter you get over the top. And again, if this sounds confusing, and it is a little confusing if you haven't visualized it, um, you can see the pictures in the CDC report and, and the other links on the Facebook page. And to be clear, this is a study, just like any study, there are going to be limitations. We can only, you know, know so many things from any particular study. In this case, the researchers were using models of people under carefully measured conditions. Right. So we don't know if wearing two masks or better fitted masks will prevent quite as much particle spread in real life usage as it did in this, in this lab. We think that it will make a big difference, but we can't know if it will be as big a difference as the researchers saw with the model. And right. we also don't know what will happen in situations where people are talking or shouting <coughs> or singing or when people who are really small, like children, or have facial hair um, wear two masks or mask fitters because that might change the way that masks fit for them. Right, and to be clear, the 95% reduction is a 95% reduction in the amount of uh, small aerosol particles in the air, not a 95% reduction in the chance of getting the virus because right. that is a more complicated thing. You would have to do that not with uh, generated aerosols but with people, and it's a harder thing to do. And exactly. we are um, moving towards the end of our time, but I did want to um, have you talk briefly about the other article that was uh, trying to um, uh, replicate a classroom setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to let you chat about that one, actually. <laughs> okay. I spent most of my time carefully reviewing the CDC one. Okay, great. Well, it's a good thing that I spent more time reviewing this one. So they were um, trying to look at the um, combined effect of ventilation and mask efficiency uh, in a classroom setting, modifying variables with what a the instructor was doing and what the students were doing, and they were also using these generated saltwater aerosols. And what they were able to see is that most of the masks they test fitted poorly, that is they allowed a lot of aerosols out, either from the top, the bottom, or the sides, um, and that uh, they were not able to um, create enough ventilation with a reasonable ventilation consistent with what you could accomplish in a 
with an HVAC system to um, overcome the, the what happens and the the the, um, the increased uh, uh, concentration of these fine aerosols, especially. And they, what they were using was a room uh, that where people were socially distanced, where these models were socially distanced. And uh, they they went over an hour, which they they did it for about a period of an hour, which they were trying to replicate a typical classroom uh, situation. Many classrooms spend more than an hour together, but this was the study um, condition. Um, so they were not able to figure out a way to make ventilation uh, fix this problem. And so they looked at um, uh, these modified masking uh, variables, very similar to what you described in the CDC study, um, and and determined that effective masks reduced the um, the aerosols by about the same amount as what you're talking about. So if everybody did it, it was about a 95% reduction in the concentration of aerosols in the in the classroom these in this classroom model. And um, this is very reassuring because I think that you could imagine, well, gosh, if we're going to be together all day, does a mask really help? And this study says, yes, it does, actually. So it allows the the aerosol numbers to be small enough that the ventilation system can keep up with it. So ventilation mm-hmm. is really important, but it's sort of like, you know, some people are, uh, the analogy I'm coming up with is, you know, you can't really exercise your way out of a poor diet and you can't eat your way out of a sedentary lifestyle. You have to really do it both. So we right. need we need all the things. And I'm now seeing that we are at the end of our of our half hour. Sarah, thank you so much. Sarah Davis, a local midwife, uh, master's in public health, somebody who's thinking about this all the time. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for this time. Um, and again, the recommendation is either a um, two layers of a mask, a mask fitter, or um, doing whatever it takes to get your masks to fit better and to have your breath move through the fabric and to have more layers of mask. Um, but we do also want you to be able to breathe well um, and be able to, you know, feel feel good and vigorous. So, Peter, thank you so much for showing up for us. Thank you for the listeners. Um, wash your hands. Get the first vaccine you're offered. Wear your mask. Keep your distance. Take your vitamin D and uh, generate a cheerful confidence in your ability to um, survive a pandemic and a deal with a virus. Thank you very much, Dr. Alleman, and uh, thank you, Sarah, as well. Wow, what a treat it was to uh, have Sarah Davis back on the program again. That was, as always, such a great conversation uh, on a very, very relevant topic, uh, one might add, considering the fact that the vaccine is coming. uh, One may be tempted to think that one's uh, responsibilities as a responsible citizen may be declining. Uh, Not so much. We need to slow transmission as well, and... uh, Educating yourself about which mask uh, and which mask-wearing habits might be the most effective is is actually a very important part of that. So, thanks again to our host and our guest for another great conversation. If you happen to miss any of it, no worries. It is available now, immediately archived on our website. And you can also find it later in the day on Facebook and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, We'll look forward to coming to you again live Wednesday at 9 a.m. Until then, the message from your friends and neighbors over at your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station is please stay safe and stay informed. We'll speak to you again on Wednesday.